Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. There are moments in life when we have good reason to rise from our seats and stand to our feet. Together we stand. Phone upside down. Oh my word. We're getting all in a mess. Did I lose it? Nope, it's back. It's alive. Start that again. There's moments in life when we stand together, arms locked, fired up, motivated, looking forward, unbreakable, and unmovable. You think for a moment we learn to do this as children. Uh, most of us grew up where the, the intercom came on and we stood, we put our hand over our hearts and we gave a pledge of allegiance and we said those words. And then other times all throughout life, you're at a big event, you're at a, maybe even a concert, you're at a big sporting event. Um, this was Friday night. Pastor Noah came on the intercom and said, we're going to stand to our feet for a moment of prayer. And so we stood in respect for the person who was, yeah, some of you just saw yourself, didn't you? I know I was behind you taking pictures. But in that moment, um, following the prayer, there was the national anthem, and everyone just stands. It's a time of respecting and honoring those who have given their time and their lives for the freedom of our nation. And then other times, and we experienced this yesterday, this is not a picture of yesterday, but other times we're sitting at a wedding. And the music is playing softly. You're kind of whispering to the person beside you. But when the music stops and a new song begins and the wedding officiant says, everyone, please stand. We stand and we turn and we face the bride as she comes in with her glory and with her honor. It's a way of celebrating the couple. It's a way of honoring them and, and just cherishing this moment in their lives where they're about to experience the precious gift of marriage that God has given them. But there is another time that we stand. We stand together in reverence and in honor, and this one in particular is my favorite, and you know this. It's with you on Sunday mornings it's, it excites me to think about children growing up year after year after year in this church body, and they are well, um, they have those memories in their, ingrained in their mind that when the Word of God is open, me and my whole church family stood. We stood because the Word is holy. It's set apart. It's the Word of the living God. We stood because it's inerrant. The application of the word will not lead us to error because it has no errors. We stood because it's inspired. It's God-breathed. It's written by the Holy Spirit. And we stand because it's infallible. It will not lead our lives to fall or to flaw. We have good reason to stand. And today we're going to open up the Word of God in John, the Gospel of John chapter 1. So if you would, please stand with me in reverence and honor for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible Word, beginning in John chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says this, that in the beginning 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God. When your word says it, you will do it. You're a promise-keeping God. We can be sure of our salvation in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word. And so if there is one that is being drawn today to faith, then we ask that your spirit and your word would do the work in their heart and bring them to Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would give the church the strength we need from your word to stand and having done all to stand in these dark days. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are near the end of this vision series, and we do this each year because we want it to be renewing to the, mind, to the minds and the heart of the church of what God has called us to go after. But also every year at this time, there are new people here. There are people that, were here, that are here now that weren't here last year. So we take this time in today's week number four to renew our hearts and minds and to let you know as a church, where do we stand and how do we go forward? Now, keep in mind that we lay everything out in a series. We spend lots of time praying and asking the Lord to show us what direction to go. And we believe that he can do that besides just on a Saturday night. And so he does that. And we think that that gives you opportunity to study the word ahead of time so that when you get here on Sunday morning, you can feast on the word because you've already been chewing on it and reading about it. So we think that that is best in shepherding you because we see how Jesus shepherded people. And so three weeks ago, Ben opened up this series by quoting Jesus in Matthew 16 when Jesus told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. On the statement of what you said that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said when a church is being built upon him, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so I think we would all agree this morning that a church that stands is a church that is being built upon the authority of the Word of God. Because Jesus isn't going to contradict the Word of God. And so this morning I'm really asking the Word to speak for itself and to renew your heart and renew your mind on why that the way we go forward, no matter how dark the days ahead of us get, even though that when we laid this sermon series out, we had no idea that this evil group called Hamas was going to attack Israel and just we were going to see on the news just the most devastating, horrific things ever. But we realized that when things happen in the world, it has the potential to shake the people of God. It has the potential to cause us to fear and to wonder, oh no, because just as much as they hate Israel, they hate the church and they hate Americans. And so how, no matter what happens in the world or what happens in your life, I want you to be reminded this morning that the way we go forward standing and seeing the gates of hell not prevailing against the church as we stand together with arms locked up like we're lining up about to win the state championship together on the word of God. And so John's gospel opens up with a staggering verse. It's his way of really saying this. I'm about to write to you about the life and ministry of Jesus leading all the way up to his crucifixion and resurrection. But in verse 1, he wants you to know that there is to be no confusion 
in thinking that Jesus just lived, began his life and lived for 33 years on the earth. John wants you to know that the man I'm about to write to you about goes all the way back to the beginning. In fact, before the beginning, there was still the Word, the Son, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he words this in a way that's meant to cause the reader to go back to Genesis 1-1. Probably the most familiar verse in the Torah. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when John says, look, in the beginning was the word. He's wanting us to go back and to reverence the author of the word. He wants us to see that the one who wrote all of scripture is an author that has, has existed eternally and we should reverence him. So what I want to do is I want to give you three statements about the Bible. This is good for your personal life, then this is essential for us as a church. And now these statements are in the sermon notes on the app, if you, if you look at that later on, if you don't want to write them down. But um, the first one is essentially this. God's Word is to be reverenced above everything. It's to be held to the highest esteem in our lives above everything that would try to give us any standard about how we should live. And I want to talk with you about why. And let's go back to verse 1. When John says that in the beginning was the Word, he's saying the author of the Word is eternal. That Jesus had no beginning. He was before the beginning and time began with him. So he points us to Genesis 1.1. But it's also interesting that up at, when you get to the end of the Old Testament, we, we refer to the time between the Old Testament ending and the birth of Jesus beginning as a 400 years of silence. In other words, 400 years where God didn't say a word. And words are how we communicate. Words are how we give messages, right? And so it's interesting that the way John refers to Jesus in the opening verse of his gospel is he calls him the word. In other words... God may have been silent for 400 years, but I assure you, he has spoken through the Word, and the Word is a person, and the Word is his Son. Make no doubt about it. You can bank your life on this man, Jesus. And then John continues, and he helps us to see that the Word has unmatched power. Why can we reverence the Word in our lives? Because it has unmatched power. So now follow me here. Verses 2 and 3 says, He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. These two verses is John's way of saying, Now I want you to think about all of Genesis 1 in your mind. When you think about Genesis 1, you really think of one thing. Creation. The six days of creation. But how did creation come into being? If you go back and read Genesis 1 this afternoon, we, you'll be reminded, we'll all be reminded that when God said, let there be light, there was light. He spoke it and it just was. When God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. The point here is this, when God speaks, his words have unmatched power. Nothing in this universe can speak a word and it just, it just happens. 
It is. So the same is true when you hold this in your hands. There is unmatched power in this book. It's different than the Quran. It's different than the, than the Book of Mormon. No book in the world has the power that this has. God spoke it. God wrote it. And we're to believe it and live by it. And we will operate our lives under his authority. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So there's power in the word. But we should also reverence the word because God breathed it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so occasionally, if you're thumbing through the internet, there's people out there that have made videos to try to create doubt about the word of God because it, what God used people to write it. But when we step back for a second... And we're reminded that the five books of Moses were written around 1400 B.C. And the book of Revelation was written by John around 90-something A.D. You've got a 1500-year span with 66 books composed by 40 different authors from all sorts of different backgrounds written on three different continents. And it all works perfectly together to point to one person. That's not man-made. We couldn't do it. I can't even get half things right in the first two hours of my day. And let alone, I mean, men can't do that over that kind of span of time. So all scripture is God breathed. He wrote it and he used people to do it in such a way that it should be undeniable and fueling to your faith. No matter what you hear on the history channel or some other thing. We could go on to say God's word is to be reverenced by the church and by us because he has preserved it. This book has been sought to be destroyed since the first time it was written. And you remember the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, because one day they're going to, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Maybe you remember last spring going through this series and, and Ben made it clear that the, the word in here means not the slightest stroke of a pen. Not one jot or one tittle. Why? Because God wrote it and it's God's job to preserve it. And he's going to preserve it and he has preserved it because he wants the world to see what he said he would do in his word is in fact what he's done through Jesus because he wants people to be saved and to live for him. And so he preserves it. So we should reverence the word. But then it keeps going. Peter says, I want you to look at grass. And I want you to be reminded by the fading grass that the word of God you carry endures forever. All flesh is as grass, quoting from Isaiah, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is a special season of life where we can really take this to heart. The grass outside your yard and right out here, it's brown. It's ugly. God's word ain't like that. Those Mother's Day flowers, many of it, most of y'all went home in, in May and you planted those Mother's Day flowers. Our flowers are on their last leg. They're falling, they're fading. In a day or two, Jeannie's going to be like, how are you going to go snip them things down? They, they're dead. But when we see these things in our, in our life, withering and fading, God wants it to be a reminder 
that your glory and my glory will also fade. So don't fall victim to trying to live to make much of ourselves because, man, it's in us. It's in us to make a name for ourselves. Let me give you a word of encouragement here. Several years ago, I was talking to someone who was an ex- a great friend, an exceptional football player. I didn't get to play football with this person. I'd love to. And this person, at the end of their football season, they had a devastating loss. They, everybody thought they were going to win state. They are going all the way. And it just it didn't happen. And, and it was heartbreaking. Um, I played on a team with a lot of you here. And it almost happened for us, too. And I was talking with this person. I said, how did you handle it? When the game was over and you knew everything that you wanted in a football season, which it was okay to want to win it all, didn't happen. And he said, honestly, on my way home that night, I wanted to just drive off of a cliff. Because everything that mattered to me was over. And it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. I share that with you because... We all have things that we just love to do and to live for that are okay things, that are are godly things, they're fun things. There's things that we want for our children. There's big animal, big deer we want them to kill, fish to catch, championships to win. But just understand as you're parenting, as you're coaching, as you're teaching, Peter says, look, look, look. Every trophy, every record, every medal, every dollar, every achievement that any man that's ever walked planet earth, that's ever achieved, all fade. But the word of God will stand forever. And the person who lives in accordance to the word of God and devotes his life or her life to the things of the word, God will celebrate that in eternity forever. Let me say one more thing here. God's word is a love letter. A lot of people read the Old Testament and then they get to the New Testament and they're like, man, it's two different, two different gods. When you look at what's happened in the last week or so, it gives you a different perspective on why sometimes God had to tell Israel, you just got to wipe some people out because they are so rebellious and so wicked. They take lives and they don't care anything about it. God doesn't want that kind of hatred dominating the world. And so Jesus, at the end of Luke 24, after his resurrection, he, t- he meets with his disciples and he just says, look, these are the words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. All things in the Old Testament it had to be fulfilled, written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning one man, me, the word. And so I want to pause right there just to encourage us. When you Read your Bible. Remember, this is his love letter. He signed his name with his own blood. Everything written was really meant to point to man's redemption. And his redemption could only be possible through a sacrificial lamb, which is why we're going to take communion today. It's what he commanded us to do, communion and baptism. And so I don't know, wouldn't you like to know, what did Jesus open up? And share with them. Was it the story of Abraham at sacrificing Isaac? And Jesus said, Mount Calvary, God didn't withhold his son, but he told Abraham to stop. What did he open up from the prophets? Was it Isaiah 53 that as as a sheep is led, as a lamb is led to the slaughter? 
So he opened not his mouth, and Jesus is like, that was me. Did he go to Psalm chapter 16, which talks about the resurrection, how you will not leave your holy one to corruption? And did he just look at him and he's like, guys, it was all about me. I don't know what he did. But in the next verse, it says that he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And the light bulb went off. Church is exciting. Because we study the word, we're in Sunday school together. The Kids for Christ class, which is ages 6 to 11, do you know that in the past two years, they've spent over 100 Sundays covering all the main big stories in the Old Testament, fueling the hearts and the minds of those children with the love letter of God all pointing to one person, and now they're in the Gospels. Man, it's exciting. And so as a church, this is what we love to see. Life groups, Bible studies, the youth group meeting on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, the kids. When people see the, the word of God opened up before their mind and they go home and they go to work and they go to school and they live different because of it. That's exciting. That's what we're about. So here's the second statement. When God's word is being reverenced. It's also true that God's word is required for all teaching and training. The point is really this. We may come up with some new ideas because we pray about things and we're asking God to show us how to better reach people and minister to people. But ultimately, everything we do is centered around the word of God. Unless his word says it, we ain't going to do it. And so let me encourage you with some reasons why. Jesus says that when the word is being taught and trained, people will be sanctified. In John 17, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus was praying to his father. And Jesus said this about his disciples. They're not of this world. Just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So what should our prayer be? Men, women, young and old children, what should our prayer be every week, essentially, when the word is being opened? Lord, don't, don't let me be conformed to the world. Change how I think. Change the motives of my heart. Change the things that I'm affectionate for because I don't want to blend in with the world because your word wants to do a work in me that sets me apart from the world so we can reach the world. Somebody already told me this morning, I'm drawn to the people here because of the love that I see in them outside of here. I just about shouted. I mean, that's just, it's just God's word accomplishing what he wants to in the life of his people. God does not want us to go home different. Or, excuse me, whoo, help him, Lord. God doesn't want us to go home the same. He wants us to go home different. You pray for your preacher now. Look at those last four words. Your word is true. He didn't say your word is true. He said your word is truth. Now think about why that's so important. I could look at you this morning and say, man, a lot of you, it's true that a lot of you are wearing fall colors. So that would be a true statement, but it would be based upon some other standard of truth. A lot of you are wearing fall colors. Okay, then, what's the truth about fall colors? Well, it's this, this, and this. Jesus said, 
your word is truth. In other words, your word is the standard. No one gets to tell God what is right and wrong, what's good and evil, and no one gets to redefine marriage for God. He said it, and that's it. Jesus says, your word is truth. This is the standard, and we're going to go by it. And so the word of God is to be taught and trained because it benefits us in every stage of life. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That word means it's to our advantage. It benefits us in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says for doctrine, because there's moments all throughout life we need taught. We don't know it all. And the moment we think we know it all, we have just went off the deep end. So we need doctrine. We need taught by the word and in its context. But then it says the word is for our benefit for reproof. That's for testing. There's times in life when you hear something or you see something, it's like, I ain't really sure about that. How do I test to see if it's the real thing? He says, you come to the word. If it contradicts the word, it's fake. If it lines up with the word, you can trust it. He says, other times in life, you and me just flat out get it wrong. And, you, and let's just all be honest. When I'm wrong and when you're wrong, we don't really want to be told we're wrong. Sometimes the last person you want to tell you that you're wrong is your spouse. Just admit it. Elbows going on all around the room. Sometimes our children tell us we're wrong. And you just swallow your pride and you know they're, they're right. They spoke some truth. But you know what? God says, look, look. I know that sometimes you don't want to hear it from other people. So just hear it from me. His word is given to us to correct us, but then not to leave us hanging there, but to instruct us because we need him to show us the way. And he says, when we're constantly welcoming this in our lives, the man of God and the woman of God will be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the word of God prepares us. He prepares us for what your Monday holds. Anybody dread Mondays? He prepares us. For Thanksgiving coming up, maybe you have a difficult aunt or uncle that's hard, just hard to be around. He'll get you ready for that too. But he also prepares us for the unexpected dark days. And there's no way for us as a church to sit here and really know what 2024 could look like. But we have good reason to believe when the hatred is spreading the way that it is, that a lot of churches will fold. If they're not standing on the word of God. A lot of people will fall into fear. And they'll say I don't want to gather with large crowds of people. But God's word commands us to gather. To meet. To fellowship. To exhort one another. And pray with one another. He will equip us for the days ahead. And the things that he wants to do through us. That's exciting. But Hebrews 4.12 puts another spin on it. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God discerns our motives, and this is why it should teach and train us. It's alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now think about this for a second. Have you ever been in a situation and caught yourself saying, well, I know why they did that? I'll tell you right now why they did that. He did that just because, do you know that truthfully, we don't have the supernatural ability 
to judge or discern the motives of someone's heart. Unless they just flat out told you why they did it. But the Word of God can do that. The Word of God helps us to see the motives in our heart. It helps us to think about why did you just speak to that person the way that you did? Why did you just treat this person like this, but then that person like that? What was that? And so it's good for us. He, the Word exposes the intentions of our heart. And Jesus said this, the reason He gives us the Holy Spirit is to guide us in congruency with the Word. In John 16, Jesus said, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. I want you to think about why this is so important. A lot of people can do things and say things, and then they can tack this on to the end of it. The spirit led me. Well, I was just full of the Spirit, and that's why I said it. That's why I did it. But hold on. The Spirit guides us into all truth. You can be absolutely sure that when someone does something, but it contradicts the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with it. That's the point. The Holy Spirit will not contradict the Word of God because He's trying to glorify the Son of God, and all three work together. So they're unified. They stand together. And then lastly, there's a warning for people that just kind of go through life and play church games. Never, you know, it's, well, it's a good message. Never go home any different. Go to work and treat that person exactly the same. The Word of God tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter says, look, there's some things that are hard to understand. He's talking about the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, which was about 13. And he says, but untaught and unstable, unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Our commitment to you as an elder board, as, as leaders in this church, is to do our very best to study the word and teach it and preach it in its context. Because we recognize there's consequences to misleading the sheep. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see marriages thriving with the love of God and the joy of God. We want to see children raised and shepherded well. We want to see a church full of people that are confident in their salvation and are growing in their walk with the Lord. Confusion and chaos is not from the Lord. Doubt and worry all the time and insecurities is not from the Lord. So we want to equip people and we do that by meeting them where they are, building relationships and studying the word of God together, talking about it and asking questions. So here's the third and final statement and I'm just going to point, use one verse to really point to this. But God's word revives us in every season of life. I want you to be so encouraged this morning to leave and to know this. When your marriage is struggling, there's nothing that will help it outside of the Word of God. If children are out of control and you don't know what to do, there's no better source than to show you how to shepherd them as a parent than with the Word of God. When friendships are all in a mess, or when two individuals in a church just are not getting along, there's nowhere we can meet to restore and bring about forgiveness than the Word of God. The Word gives life. 
The psalmist said this in Psalm 119, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. What he's saying is this, dust is always connected to death. God said in the book of Genesis in chapter 3 that when man dies, his body returns to the dust. And so the psalmist is saying, spiritually, I'm dying. Spiritually, I don't have it all together. My life's falling apart. And then he says, for you, for me, for all of us, there's life in the word. If I'm going to get revived, restored, and refreshed, I know it's right here. And look, I'm going to be honest. People ask me, youngs ever have revival? Won't y'all have revival? And I say, oh yeah, we have revivals all the time. Do you sure enough? I say, yeah, 52 weeks of the year. We're in the word of God. We're not, I don't show up on Sunday morning to give you my opinion. Neither does Ben and neither does Ethan. We want the word to speak because it revives the soul. It refreshes the person that's just dry. It's life to us. We want to be in it year in and year out. We want to stay revived. We don't want to get dry, but if we do, we know where life is. So I present to you this morning, as we go forward, will you agree we're standing together on the Word of God? I want to invite you to stand to your feet. And as the worship team comes to close us in a song, if you need to come to the altar and pray, if you're unsure of your salvation, there is people here that will walk you through the word of God and pray with you. And then we're going to transition and we're just going to take a moment to celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I want you just to look to your left and look to your right. This is your family. This is your team. And we're standing together going forward as 2023 comes to a close. And soon we step into 2024 and we're saying, my brothers and sisters are standing with me on the inerrant, inspired, infallible word of God. Let's pray and then we'll let them sing. Father, we ask that you would now do what only you can do. Revive the soul, refresh the spirit, draw the lost and plead with your people to know you all the more. Thank you that you are a faithful God and your word is life to us. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.